Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. Do you want to know who we really are, what Martha and I really believe? On Away With Words, we disempower discussions of language that are in truth disguised racism, sexism, genderism, classism, elitism, ethnocentrism, parochialism, ageism, and other isms. And we try to teach others to do the same. Go to waywardradio.org slash mission. Read about how we're trying to change the way the world thinks about language. And while you're there, support our mission with a donation. Your financial help is essential to keeping new episodes coming. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Grant, I learned a new term this week. I wonder if you know it. Oh, try me. Foster flunk. Nope. Nope, never heard of it. What is it? Well, I learned this from Scott Kaiser, who listens to us in Hammond, Indiana. And Scott sent us an email that said, When you foster companion animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, ferrets, etc., your job is to care for it as if it were your own, with food, shelter, medical care, and above all, since some of these animals have never known it, love. Mm-hmm. Scott writes, I've had people say, I don't know how you can give them up to another adopter. Well, sometimes you can't. You flunk and end up adopting them yourself. That's the flunk. The foster flunk. Foster flunk. (laughs) Isn't that great? I wondered the same thing, actually, uh, uh, how people give up the animals when they're fostering them. Sometimes it's a really long foster period, right? Yes. One of our kitties, Bianca, she's a sweet little tabby. She's got a bent tail. She's adorable green eyes. Um, she was fostered with a friend of ours, and their story was they gave her up to us. We adopted her because they were moving across the country, and that makes a lot of sense to uh-huh. me. But I also know that the need for kind families that can foster animals, yeah. um, you know, rehabilitate them, introduce them to kids, introduce them to other animals, there's a desperate need for that. So you kind of got to cycle the animals through sometimes and yeah. get them elsewhere, on the put them elsewhere on the adoptive Yeah, uh, yeah, schedule. it's almost more important yeah. in a way. Well, Scott says that he's flunked three times. That's the best. Kind of flunky. Yes, yes. He has a lop, Lhasa Apso, a Shih Tzu, yeah. and a Bichon. Oh, nice. Isn't Thanks, Scott, great? for that. That's foster cool. flunk. And it's a thing. I, I went to, oh, good. Uh, yeah. to Google. Foster it's a thing. Flunking. Foster flunk. We heartily encourage foster flunking on and this show. We encourage you to give us a call. This is a show about language and everything related to it. 877 929 9673. Send us an email to words at waywardradio.org or try us on Twitter at the handle WAYWORD. Hi, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, my name is Katie, and I'm calling from Denton, Texas. Hey, Katie, welcome to the show. How can we help you? Yeah, what's up? Thank you so much. Something's been bothering me ever since I moved for school. Um, I lived in Houston, Texas for my entire childhood and grew up calling the road that goes by the highway um, the feeder road. Mm-hmm. This is what I knew it as, like, my whole life. <laughs> and so as soon as I moved up to BFW for school, I would say the feeder road, and people would look at me like I was crazy um, mm. and would say that it was called the access road, and people actually got kind of, like, upset about it until what? I started they calling upset? it the access road. They did, yeah. It was <laughs> kind of a big deal um, at one point. So I have graduated to calling it the access road, but I guess my question is, is there a certain name for it? Am I wrong in calling it the feeder? Because I don't know. I just kind of personally like that better, or... First, Katie, let me just say, they should not have been giving you a hard time. I mean, you listen to the show, so you know that's our attitude, right? Right. Because we we're, we have different words for different for things sometimes. That is part of the delight of language. Absolutely. And it turns out, in Houston, where you're from, 
They call it the feeder road. <laughs> Guess so you're fine. Know, right? <laughs> you grew up with that. Everybody around you called it the feeder road. You're normal in Houston. But um, the generic term for it is usually frontage road. You'll probably find that in a lot of Department of Transportation glossaries for a variety of states. Actually, there's an interesting fellow. I think he's in San Antonio. He calls himself the Texas Highwayman. And he's at a website called TexasHighwayman.com. And he's got a really great glossary where he talks about this and specifically says feeder road is what's used in Houston and, and, and around there and a couple little pockets here and there in other parts of Texas. Most people call it the service road or the frontage road or a variety of terms. But these are these roads that are parallel to the main highway. And every once in a while, you can go off of them onto the main highway, right? Feeds the traffic, Yeah, yeah it right? feeds the traffic. It makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah. And if there's a traffic jam on the main road, they serve to provide a release valve for that traffic jam so people can get off and go take another route to their destination. Mm -hmm. But do check out his right. website. His name is uh, Brian Purcell, TexasHighwayMan.com. He's got really good stuff on there about this and a whole bunch of other highway stuff. Okay, well, I'll have to check him out, and maybe I will keep on calling it the feeder road and people can just, you know, deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, we run across this all the time where people have their own experience with language. They have an idiolect that differs from maybe a new workplace or a new school or a new family member or something. And there's always this period of reconciliation where you kind of negotiate, all right, am I going to take on your words? Are you going to take on mine? Are we going to do it 50-50? And it sounds like it didn't go all that well for you for this word, but there's nothing wrong no. with saying feeder road <laughs> instead of access road or frontage road. Yeah, you'll start a lot road. of conversations, yeah. right? Or stop down a lot of conversations, too. Right. <laughs> That's the you know, problem. You would think right? it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but no. apparently it is. So, yeah. <laughs> I hope we've been some help to you. Oh, yes, you definitely have. Thank you so much. All right, take care now. You too. Bye-bye, Katie. Bye. -bye. Bye. 877-929-9673. Send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hit us up on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Grant, I think you'll appreciate this. We were talking a while back about pouting, and that prompted Tyler Connolly from Silver City, New Mexico, to write and tell us that when he was a little kid, his aunt used to say, when he would pout, mm -hmm. his aunt used to say, stick that out a little farther and I'll write the Ten Commandments on it with a mop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my house we call that shelf lip. Shelf lip. Yeah, you put the pout out there and you can set books on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Shelf lip. I like that. Yeah, I, I did some digging on that. If you stick that lip out a little farther, you'll step on it. I like that one, too. But shelf lip, I like that. Yeah, family word. Yeah, it's like German shipshin. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello, um, this is Charlene Seifert calling from Arlington, Texas. Hi, Charlene. Hi, Welcome. Charlene. Welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Very well, thank you. I'd like to talk about the word snarky and all of its various iterations. Oh, yes. And the reason for that is because I thought I had actually coined the word back in the 60s um, when we were in the military and my kids were 3 and 10, and they'd get snotty and barky and Henri, and so I'd say quit being snarky. <laughs> and in the early 80s, when I became a um, trial attorney for the federal government, I uh, bought myself a 300ZX and had snarky as my license plate <laughs> from 82 to 85. Nice. Uh, and now, of course, I see it in all of its iterations, adverbs, adjectives, nouns, so I looked it up, and all I could find was Lewis Carroll's The Tale of the Snark. So I leave it up to you to tell me if I really coined the word or if it was a real word before I started using it. Hmm. And how are you going to feel if, uh, if it was already a word? Not terrible. Amused more than anything else. Oh, okay. All right. The bad news is you didn't coin the word. The good news is you can continue to keep using it. Well, that's good. Is the uh, tale of the snark the origin uh, of it? Or it did isn't. It no, it actually isn't. Um, it is a prominent usage, but it's actually unrelated. We consider that a etymological tributary. It really doesn't come into play in the history of this word. In fact, it goes back to a verb snark from the mid-1800s that originally meant to snort or to snore. Imagine that somebody does something that you disapprove of and you're like, <clears throat> you're like kind of snorting at them, like, <clears throat> like that. That's a snark. Oh. 
So you do the snark. The verb becomes to find fault with or to nag, and then becomes the adjective to be snarky. And here we are in the, you know, in the 2000s, still using some forms of the word. Well, um, apparently it wasn't in really common usage because um, I'm an avid reader and I didn't really see it used as much as it is today. And starting, I guess, in the um, probably 2002-2003 time frame. And um, that's why I thought, well, hmm. Yeah, it's, it certainly is undergoing a heyday, isn't it? I think your sense of that is correct, that over mm-hmm. the last couple of decades, snark has become a well-known slang term. But words do that. They ebb and flow. They have periods of uh, revival and survival. Sometimes they die out completely. Sometimes uh, I often talk about the, the word chad from the Bush-Gore um, debacle with the Supreme Court and all that, the hanging chads, which is a word which had only really been used outside of the polling business, the election business, in like mills of cloth mills, textile mills. And then there it was suddenly having this huge resurgence. And snark, I think, in my mind, is heavily associated with the rise of the Internet. Yes. Um, Particularly because there's a kind of a a particular Internet tone in which Mm -hmm. you talk to people Mm -hmm. where you're kind of funny and kind of mean. And Mm -hmm. that's how I think about modern Mm -hmm. snark. Ah, okay. Well, I really appreciate this because, as I say, I I knew I wasn't going to get into Merriam-Webster or any (laughs) of the other dictionaries, but I just was amazed to see um, so many uses of it. Well, the nice thing is you have spread this to your family, and they use the word because you used it, and that's something. Well, family, friends, and anybody who read my license plate, obviously somebody read it who didn't like me because I quit using it in 85 when the window of my car was shot out on the on the uh, freeway going home, and that convinced me that it was either me as a trial attorney or the license plate, but I wasn't going anywhere, so the license plate had to go. Oh, right. man. So, so did... now do you, you just have a random number on there, or do you have a different yes, word? No, like, I, I don't just shoot. have a random number on there. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you, 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 the custom license plate is don't shoot? <laughs> If I could figure out how to abbreviate it, I just might. (laughs) Martha. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very, very much for your call, Charlene. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, it's interesting, too, Grant. We were having that conversation just a couple of episodes ago about words that start with S-N, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like snooty and yeah, all snobby to the and nose yeah, or something like that. Snark. I think of snark being one of those words, don't you? Yeah. Well, it is. If it comes from snore to, to snore originally, yeah. and then and you do that particular. I didn't do the noise very well, but you do that noise sometimes when you don't like what was said <laughs> or done, but you don't want to use a word. So yeah. Like a. Like I exactly. Like that, that's right? it. That's that's a very like a, good snark. It's not quite a harumph, though. No, no, it's different from a harumph. Yes, but snark it's, and a harumph are yes. very different creatures. Yes, different number would... of legs and eyes for one thing. You snarked very well there. Eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. You know, sometimes I just like to page through the Dictionary of Smoky Mountain English. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's so delicious. That great dictionary by Michael Montgomery. Yes, yes. What did you find this time? This time I found the phrase, throw it over the hill. Throw it over the hill. Mm-hmm, I'm going to throw it over the hill. What's I don't know what that, what that is. Well, according to the dictionary, it means to go home. You know, time to throw it over the hill. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, you know, I did some digging on that, and um, it turns out that a lot of people use throw it over the hill to simply mean get rid of it. Oh, I and see. that reminds me of my father's people back in the hills. You know, I can just see them saying, uh, "I'm just going to throw it over the hill." North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Throw it over the hill. Mean. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. Go home. Wrap give up. up the evening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrap up the evening. I like that. Oh, it's it's nine o'clock. I got to throw it over the hill. <laughs> wrap it up in old newspaper. It's finished. Eight seven seven ninety nine nine six seven three. Share the language you've inherited from your family as Away With Words continues. Support for Away With Words comes from Lizanne, Fokion, and Chloe Potamianos Homem, proud sponsors of Wayward Inc., the nonprofit that produces and distributes this program.
You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And joining us now on the line is our quiz guy, John Chinesky. Hi, John. Hi, John. Hi, hi, Martha. Hi, Grant. It's great to be back. How are you guys? All right. How's doing New York well. City treating you? I'm doing great. It's it's not treating me. i got to pay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's an old, but, um, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I am glad I have uh, you guys as friends because you're so smart and I'm so the other way from what? smart. No. No, really. Because, you know, I've come across some items, and I just don't know what they're for. For example, I have here a cave. It's a cave that would allow a large mammal to hibernate the winter. But what's it for? Well, it's for, for bear. bear. Yeah, it's oh. very good, Martha. See, oh. that much I figured out, and uh, I think you can help me figure out the rest. Okay. Here are some things. What are they for? All right. This is the accelerator pedal from my car. Duh. What's it for? <laughs> for its car. <laughs> for so gas. Cars are for go. For, for go. <laughs> oh. It's for going. Right. For going. Okay. Oh, golly, I see where this is going. Mm. This is a rod and a reel. Uh, what's it for? Forecasting. Forecasting, nice. yes. Got now it right we're away. rolling. <laughs> now, this is an attache case that contains many legal documents. What's it for? For, for brief. For, for case, for document, for court. Ooh. For court. Yes, for court. For oh, court. Very nice. <laughs> this appears to be a beach umbrella. Uh, what's it for? Shadowing. Good. Foreshadowing. Is that it? Yes, That's foreshadowing nice. is right. Yeah, very good. This is called a Brannock device. If you know what it is, can you tell me what it's for? For shoes. For feet. For feet. feet. For, for, for heels. For, for, for toes. <laughs> for for soles. For for. It's the size. thing that measure your, measures your feet. And the, right. right. In the, order that your shoes should for fit. fit. Forfeit. 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 Yes, very good. Forfeit. <laughs> Let's take it. Okay. These last three go together, okay? I have a fan letter addressed to each of three famous actors. The first says, Mr. Green loved your work on Bonanza. Who's it for? Forlorn. It's forlorn, yes. The second says, Mr. Damon loved your work in The Martian. Who's it for? For, for Matt. Matt. Right. Finally, the last one says, Montgomery loved your work in From Here to Eternity. Who's it for? For, for Clift? No. For, um, yeah. Is it for, for Clift? Clift? Oh, Forklift. Forklift. <laughs> oh, oh that's great. That's the best one, John. I don't know why Thank you saved you. it for last. I did save the best for last, yes. Oh. Wow. I, I feel well, like we needed a Forklift. I know. Do you do this to your through. kids and your wife? Do you just like <laughs> sit at the table like nobody's getting up till you get these right? No, you know what it is? I'd be like oh. tired by the time I get home. As for me, I'm done for. That's me. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, oh. John. Bye, I really guys. appreciate it. Yeah. Take care now. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. All Bye, right. John. If you guys have got a quiz, a joke, a riddle, something you want to share that you think is fun or interesting that might stump us, give us a call, 877-929-9673. Email us words at waywardradio.org. Or, heck, share it with everybody else on our Facebook group. There's like 5,000-plus people there, and you'll have a good time talking about it. Hello, you have a way with words? Hi, how's it going? Great. Who's this? This is Sean Freeman. I'm calling from Billings, Montana. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Hey, Sean. Great. What, what can we help you with? Um, well, I have a question. My brother is an English teacher, and uh, so I usually, you know, trust him on what he says. But at the same time, he's kind of messed with me a lot uh, as I've been growing up since he's my older brother and all. And right. so I don't know if I should trust him or not on this. Okay, okay let's hear it. So he says that uh, the people commonly mispronounce the word uh, forte uh, when referring to a strength. Um, he says when, when referring to the musical term for loudness, that's fine because it comes from the Italian root for loud. But when uh, referring to strength, it comes from the French root. Um, and so he says you're supposed to pronounce it fort instead of forte. And uh, you know, I've never called him out on it, and I've, I've never heard anybody else say fort instead of forte. And I don't know if it's one of those things where it used to be that way, but it's kind of become common to say forte now or if he's right or, or what. So. You've summed it up pretty darn well. I think Grant and I are probably on the same page about this because the word is just skunked. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a no-win word. Right. I, I always try to find another word besides that word. 
right. The, the F word. Wait, to, 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 let me spin this around a different direction. The thing is, most people, 99.99% say forte. Mm-hmm. And then there's the tiny percentage of people who insist that that's wrong. And the problem with that is that they're wrong because not just because of usage, is because even though it doesn't come from Italian, it comes from French. Mm-hmm. And in French, you don't pronounce it fort either. You could say four. Well, I'm glad I've never corrected anybody on it. And well, I usually try not to correct people in colloquial, you know, uh, conversations anyway, because I just feel like if it's not something scholarly, I, I don't really, you know, I'm not one of those uh, yeah. grammar Nazis on Facebook or anything like that. You know? Yeah. So that's does your a great brother? Policy. Does your brother just like go around giving people unsolicited language advice? Oh, I think he does. Yeah, he, he kind of likes uh, likes to be right and likes to tell other people they're wrong. So. Yeah, that's- <laughs> That's really like, insupportable behavior. That's really like, yeah, that's not really good manners, is it? <laughs> well, he thinks he's helping them, I think, you know? Yeah, um, and that's the problem, right? Well, if it's his students, that's one thing. You said he was an English teacher. Fine. He's hired, mm-hmm, yeah. to, he's hired to do that for his students. But sure. I don't know, family members, if they're not his kids or in line at the store, you know. Yeah, well, I'm thinking more probably, you know, friends on Facebook or something oh. if they forget a... Uh, if they use the wrong your or the wrong there or something. Um, that's a private yeah. message, though, maybe, if if at all. If any message at all, that's the thing you do behind channels where everyone else can't see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Just to be clear, forte um, is the <laughs> now accepted pronunciation. The people mm-hmm. who insist that it isn't, all of their arguments that I've ever heard are incorrect. Um, they fly Agreed. in the face of usage. They fly in the face of etymology. They should probably not be saying that anymore. Yeah, I mean, they argue that it that people are confusing it with the Italian for strong forte that you see in musical notation, yeah. but or for loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. loud, strong. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they they both go back to a Latin word that means strong, gives us Spanish oh, fuerte. Okay. But the also. word the word is fully anglicized. Yep. It is in the language as forte. Yep. It is no longer a foreign word. Does, yep. um, it and is, I don't use it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I you're just right. avoid it. Martha's advice was good, Sean. It's it skunked in this business. We got that from Brian Garner, who is a great language expert in Texas. And then skunked means um, it's so disputed, though, that just to be on the safe side so that people aren't paying too much attention to your language or paying attention to your message, it's best avoided in formal, formal writing or in speech. Okay, and I'm surprised he made a big deal about it because... Uh, He's somebody that's always talk, telling me, preaching that uh, language is something that, you know, evolves. It's not stagnant. And so, you know, it's like when people complain about, um, people my age complain about the word bay or cray-cray or something. Yeah. Well, we had our own, you know, slang words that our parents <laughs> didn't like to. We did. We, didn't we, though? Cats pajamas, bees knees. <laughs> well, I think that's a little before your time, <laughs> yeah, Martha. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to definitely let him know to stop correcting people on that. Yeah, well, that's and our good advice. Good luck with that, and Sean. And if, if he wants to call and argue his point, uh, we're welcome it. Have him give us a call, all right? All right, sure thing. Yeah, Sorry. he might he might want to do that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye, Sean. Right, thank you. If anybody wants language advice from us, they can solicit it at 877-929-9673, or they can email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org, or hit us up on Twitter at wayward. Hello, you have a way with words. Hello. Hi, who's this? This is Gina. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. All right. Welcome to the show. Well, I had a conversation with a coworker a few weeks ago concerning the words that you use when you drop something on the floor. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I dropped milk on the floor, I would say that I wasted the milk. She said that, no, you should say you spilled the milk. Now, I understand the word spill, and I've used the word spill, but my the word that I would use most of the time is wasted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She says that wasted is a word that you use for, like, resources or if you're wasting electricity or you're wasting water, that you would not waste the milk, the milk spilled. Well, Gina, let me ask you, is it all right to ask what kind of work you do? I'm a teacher. Oh, you're a teacher. Yay. Yay. What, We're big what, fans of teachers. What age group do you teach? We both teach pre-K. Pre-K, okay. Four oh, okay. and five years gotcha. old. Do you still use the word waste if it's something that you can pick up and use again? Say, I don't know if the kids, um, like, uh, if you had a big uh, box of paper clips or crayons or something, and when the kids knocked knock that over and, and the stuff spilled all over the floor, um, would you still say you wasted it? I think I would, because my natural inclination is to say wasted. 
I love that. That is the word that I use. This is fantastic. This conforms to something that Martha and I know to be true. Yeah, there's a great entry in the Dictionary of American Regional English, one of our favorite reference works in the world, um, that talks about exactly this, using the word waste to mean spill. So you're not alone, Gina, at all. This is something that... Uh, oh, I'm not. Okay. No, no. You are no. not. <laughs> no. No, it's all many, many years of other people saying the same thing, mm-hmm. to mean the same thing. In fact, there's there's a beautiful map in this uh, reference work that shows exactly where this usage is distributed through the South. And indeed, it's in Texas as well. Um and oh, so it's regional. Mm-hmm. It's regional. Yeah. It's it's also chiefly among African American speakers. Yeah, and it looks like it's really okay. common in Florida. Uh, oh no, is that Florida? No, not South Carolina. No, South Carolina. There we go. That's yeah, South isn't Carolina. that interesting? Yeah. yeah, really common in South Carolina. Wow. Yeah, I just find that fascinating because I personally um, did not grow up using it that way, but I, I really like the sense of that. I mean, you're talking about something that, that doesn't involve necessarily judgment or or that you're being irresponsible, right? You're just you're just knocking no. something over. And it's not like you're 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 criticizing them. You're you're saying what happened. I'm actually saying spiel, but I just don't use the word spiel. Exactly. Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And did did you grow up in Texas, Gina? Yes, I grew up in Texas. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Okay. Well, it's it's very cool. As we say, you're not alone. There there are lots of people who use it, and, and uh, it's been studied by linguists. Mm-hmm. Looks like Louisiana, they do it really? as well. Mm-hmm. Mississippi as well. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. So don't don't cry over wasted milk, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't cry over wasted milk. I like that. Gina, thank you so much for your call. Thank you. You're Take care welcome. Now. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org or ask us on Twitter at wayward. We asked you to send us your eponymous laws. Eponymous laws being those joking bits of wisdom that are named after somebody like Murphy's Law. And Peg Breckel wrote us to say that she used to be a pharmacist, and when she was working, she needed to eat while she was on the job because Mm -hmm. it was so busy there. So Peg's law is, the number of customers who come to the counter is directly proportional to how good your food tastes hot. I can totally relate to that. You get the hot soup ready yeah, to go. You get the hot soup fresh, ready. warm sourdough bread, the cup of tea, and yeah. then there's eight people there's show up. Mr. Jones at yeah. the front of the line. Yeah, I like that. There are a lot of those those eponymous laws that are directly proportional. This is directly proportional yeah. to that, right? Mm-hmm. You can share your eponymous laws or any other stories about language at words at waywardradio.org or call us. That number is 877-929-9673. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, this is Alice calling from Tampa. Hi, Alice. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alice. What's up? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm such a fan of your show. I just found it. <laughs> nice. Well, welcome. Glad to have you along. So, um, I was listening to all the questions, and I came across something when I just moved down here to Tampa. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, and I lived in Atlanta for a couple of years before moving down here. And when I talk to people here, if I don't know them that well, especially since I just started with a new company, um, in response to basically just acknowledging someone, I'll say, you know, yes, ma'am, or no, sir, or yes, sir. Everyone looks at me and says, oh, look at what you picked up living in the South. And I'm like, what? No. <laughs> Um, I don't think that's a Southern thing. Um, I think it's a polite thing, but I don't think it's particularly Southern. You said it all the time in Chicago. I I did. I've said it all the time for as long as I can remember. In Atlanta, too. Yeah. Did they feel it was normal there? No, they really didn't. And I worked um, in higher education in Atlanta, and I worked with people that had advanced degrees. So, you know, when you're addressing them as doctor that was fine, but the minute I said yes, ma'am, or no, sir, they just looked at me kind of puzzled, like, why are you using that? So my question to you guys was, is it dying? Is it going away? Who taught you to do that? Was it your parents that taught you to do that? Um, I would assume so. Um, my mom is from Chicago. My mm-hmm. dad is from the South. He's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um and my dad is quite a bit older. My dad has the same age as many people my age as grandfather. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. 
Do you? It might be an age thing. Do you have siblings who also say "ma'am" and "sir" when the occasion arises? I do. I'm curious. Can we ask um, your approximate age or your generation? Are you a millennial or a Gen Xer? Or I'm 30. Okay, <laughs> okay. 30. Yeah, that makes you just yeah. on the edge of millennial then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think mm-hmm. solidly as a Gen Y millennial, something like that. Sure. Um, I got a lot of thoughts on this, Martha. How about you? Yeah, yeah One is, I do. I do think that there is a strong tradition in the American South of using ma'am and sir that isn't still apparent in most of the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. I think the data show that to be true. I think my own experience shows that to be true. Mm-hmm. I do also know that uh, we've had probably since the 50s a real conflict in America between an increasing informality and a need for other people to show um, respect through these old traditions and these formal modes of speech. So it hasn't completely gone away, but there's a lot of push and pull on when to use it, whether you call somebody by their first name or you say, um, you know, Ms. Barnett or Mr. Barrett. Um, We have a lot of this, a lot of these things have fallen away, but yet it's not so disappeared in parts of the country that we can mm-hmm. say that it's done. But I, it still catches me up short, I have to say, when when I hear it. I mm-hmm. mean, usually if I hear it, I think it's from somebody who was in the military or is in the military. Yeah, certainly here in San Diego, we hear it a lot from uh, military folk who will just, as a matter of habit and custom, say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I, I didn't even think about that. I think you're in a good position here because this isn't a habit that is easily taught later in life. And although people may wonder at why you're being so formal, I don't think there's a downside to it unless they think you're being prissy or that your formality is a way of removing yourself from the situation to show. Sometimes when you're angry with somebody, you become very formal and people get these cues (laughs) from you that formality means that you do not want to engage with them on a one-on-one personal level. But I I would say probably most of the time people are going to say, oh, Oh, look at her. She's super polite. How nice is that? I'm trying to think of the last time that I used either one of those, and I think it was when I was pulled over for speeding. Oh, talking to a, <laughs> yes. a very formal situation, right? Yes. When we talk to people of yeah. in positions of authority, that comes yeah. naturally to most of us yeah. to yeah. say sir or ma'am. Yeah, but it sounds like it, it uh, comes trippingly off your tongue. If you're worried about saying the wrong thing or giving the wrong message, Mm-hmm. certainly you're not giving people the language they were expecting to hear. I don't think you're doing yourself any damage. I think you're doing yourself a, a big favor. I think most people feel a little flattered by that little extra token of respect. Yeah, especially when it comes naturally to you, which it yeah. sounds like it does. It, does, it doesn't sound like a put-upon at all. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah. But thanks. you didn't call Grant or me, sir, man. <laughs> uh, no, I'm curious. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and I think because I didn't have the opportunity for you to ask me something and I didn't have a quick answer for right. it. So thank you, ma'am, for bringing that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. right. You do respect us. <laughs> well, well, Ms. Alice, it was very nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. You guys keep up the wonderful work. Our pleasure. Thank Great you, ma'am. Take care now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673 is the number to call to talk with us about language, or you can send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Find us on Twitter at Wayward, and we have a very active group on Facebook. More conversation about what we say and why we say it as Away With Words continues. I wanted to say I learn a lot from you guys, especially the man. Bye. Aw, yeah, we like him too, Chris. If you'd like to support this show and to keep helping kids like Chris, go to waywardradio.org slash donate and make a meaningful gift. Thank you very much. You're listening to Away With Words, the show about language and how we use it. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. We were talking, Grant, a few weeks ago about the phrase sharp as a marshmallow sandwich. Mm-hmm. Des- yeah, it means not very bright. Right, right. Describing somebody who's not quite all there. And that prompted an email from Scotty Myers in Milwaukee, as, or as he says, from the land of elbow benders. <laughs> That phrase reminded him of something that he heard a few years ago when he was traveling to a friend's lake house for Fourth of July. He writes, 
I decided to stop in Beaver Dam, a small town between Milwaukee and Madison, to put my leg on a rail and blow the foam off some suds. I went inside the bar, ordered a beer, and just sat there to listen to strangers tell stories to the bartender, a thirsty ethnographer. A fellow at the bar starts talking about how he went to Burger King the other day and ordered a bacon cheeseburger. The cashier told him they didn't have bacon cheeseburgers, sorry. Cashier went on to say, however, that the grill cook in the back could make a cheeseburger and put bacon on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate Where this, Where is this Grant. going? <laughs> <laughs> well, this perplexed and aggravated the fellow there telling the story. That sounded an awful lot like a bacon cheeseburger. After uttering a few curse words, he said, That kid was as sharp as a bowling ball, referring to the cashier. <laughs> He was about as sharp as a wet bag of marsh. <laughs> a wet bag of marsh. Yeah. And Scotty says it was a wonderful thing to hear in my first time hearing it. <laughs> a wet bag of marsh. And so then Scotty went on the Internet and found that uh, the cartoon character Foghorn Leghorn mm -hmm. often says he's about as sharp as a wet bag of mice. Oh, which I nice. also like. <laughs> So Scotty's wondering if a wet bag of marsh is something that's hyper-localized. He suspects it may be because Beaver Dam is near the Horicon Marsh, a national state and wildlife refuge. But I want to know. And what state is that? Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. Wisconsin. Whoa, I don't a know. wet bag of did marsh. Did you look it up? I did. I couldn't find anything, but I told Scotty oh, we have I, lots and lots of, of listeners. So Scotty and I are both wondering if anybody else has ever heard this term. Sharp is a wet bag of marsh. Of I marsh. like it a lot. M-A-R-S-H. M-A-R-S-H. Let us know, 877-929-9673, or email words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, is this Martha? Yes. Who's this? Hi, Martha. <laughs> this is Joelle, and I'm calling from the Bronx in New York City. From the Bronx. Hey, Joelle. How you doing? Hi, Grant. Well, I actually work at a large Broadway show, Ooh. and it has a big cast and crew from lots of different places, and we have some differing opinions about the frequency of usage for a certain word in English, and it's caused a lot of, like, debates. And I thought, you know, I know just who to call about this. Great. Well, the word is, depending on, you, on how you pronounce it, auntie or auntie, and it's not the pronunciation that we have a problem with. The problem is the usage of it. Um, someone at work said something along the lines of, I'm going to Texas to visit my auntie, and this got us talking about it. And many of the cast members who are not black say that they have never heard this word used outside of the African-American community. And they assume that it was uh, part of the African-American dialogue. And that surprised me because I've been black my whole life, and I've never used this term in that way. And then I brought up Auntie M and Auntie Mame and Auntie Anne's pretzels, but everyone still seems to think that there's something inherently African-American about the usage of the word auntie. So I guess my question is, is there any evidence that the word auntie is more prevalent in the black community than Ooh. in other American communities? This is a this is a hard one. Um, <laughs> this is a good one, though. This is a yeah, really definitely. good one. And I love that you brought the evidence of, of white instances of auntie. Mm -hmm. I have one of my own, my younger sister who is white. Well, all mm -hmm. of her, her niece and her nephews call her auntie. And, but, and we're not black or African-American at all. Mm -hmm. um, and they're from Missouri, so they're not particularly Southern. Um, the reason it's complicated is because there is an auntie usage in African-American vernacular English. But it's the auntie that you use for an older woman who is not related to you but that you respect the way that you might. So let's say um, your neighbor lady or someone down at the shops or somebody like that or somebody at church who, who you want to show her some respect. You might not call her Mrs. Smith. You might call her Auntie Auntie Smith or whatever her name is, Auntie Becca or something like that. Who knows? Um, but but that's very specific, though, to something that you're not related to. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly the way that they were using it because they also use it at work to refer to each other or when they don't know somebody. Yeah. And I hadn't encountered that. I'm from New England, and I didn't really use that word in that way. 
Um, and I wasn't sure if that was something that is particularly um, African-American. Well, it's Southern, too. Yeah, it is Southern also. But as you know, not every African-American or black English speaker has all the same features in their dialect that the other ones do. We all, each have our mm-hmm. own thing, right? We've got our own history, our own heritage. We come from a different part of the country. We have uh, different sizes of family, and they're from their own places, and they have their own habits. And all of these things matter. So there's no reason that you necessarily would automatically know it. Especially if you're mm-hmm. from New England. Yeah, especially from it is very heavily Southern. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the thing is, I think what makes it complicated in my mind, you guys, is I'm not 100% sure that this is a tradition that isn't waning so fast that we're all talking about a relic almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it could be an age difference. But what also is interesting is there's a lot of the reason why I use the word black and not African American is there's a lot of um, South Africans in the show that I'm in. Yeah. And they use that word in that in that way as well. Oh, the same way? Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, there was a book of uh, Caribbean English that I read quite a while back that had something along the lines of, I'm going to get this wrong, but the theory was that there were some usages in Caribbean English that can be directly traced to some of the terms of respect used in some of the African languages spoken by the people who came across as part of the slave trade to work in the sugar plantations. And I don't know how sound wow, their theory was, funny. but for what it was worth, that was their theory. Hmm. Joelle, how old are the folks oh, okay. in the cast? How old are the folks well, who are having this like, conversation? There also seems to be an age divide because many of the people who are, you know, it's a big show, so... Some people are in the people who are using the word in that way tend to be forties um, and up. Okay, I would say ah. interesting. And with the younger people, sort of, we are sort of catching on to the lingo. So mm-hmm. it's almost become you know when you work in an, in a group of people who work together eight shows a week, you develop your own little vocabulary. Oh, yeah. so it's oh, sure. almost become part of our vocabulary mm-hmm. at our job. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. What's your role, by the way, if I can change the subject for a second? What do you do, Joelle? Oh, I'm a singer in The Lion King. Oh, how about that? Oh, wow. That's fantastic. This is one of the most successful yeah. Broadway shows of all time. Yeah, but because of the nature of the show, there's people from yeah. South Africa in the show. We have many Spanish speakers, mm. and it's a multi-ethnic and multicultural show. Oh, We've got sounds like a Europe, great place to be. People with European heritage. and. Yeah. So it's a big, big old mishmash. Well, I will tell you that the data that have been collected by lexicographers and linguists over the decades show that it is more common in the African-American community. And I don't know if you can hear the giant asterisk in my voice. That (laughs) asterisk is that the data is old. And so the data isn't from this decade even. It's from like many decades ago. So at one time it was true, and I don't know whether or not it's true now. I would love to okay. send a linguist to backstage to hang out with <laughs> the know, cast. Right? I mean, what a what a oh. rich mix of language. Yeah. Well, Joel, there's the best answer for you, but I do appreciate you bringing a lot of information to bear here. I love that it seems to be age-graded. That's the term that we use, that it tends to be in the older folks and not the younger folks. That mm-hmm. may be a really strong indicator that it's on its way out mm-hmm. as, a, as a custom. Oh, it's a shame to see it go. Well, you can do it, though, but you guys have the power to bring it back and make it real, you know, spread it out to your other communities. The next show that you do, teach them. <laughs> I will. I will definitely. <laughs> Take care and break a yeah, leg, all right? Thank you so much thank for calling. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if you use Auntie in your house, we'd love to hear about it. Help us add to our data set to figure out if this is a thing that's on the way out. 877-929-9673 or email words at waywardradio.org. was new to me. You remember when people were all exercised about the Powerball, the giant Powerball? Yeah, one and a half billion dollars yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, people were talking about joining the Three Comma Club. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, for billionaires. Three you know, commas? Because three commas in your bank That's account. That's three commas in front of the decimal, not behind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unlike us. Three commas in the bank account, yeah. not three commas in the... Yeah. yeah, buying a lottery ticket to join the three comma club. Yeah, I'm still in the one comma club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 877-929-9673 is the number to call to talk about language or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi. Hi. This is Victoria Pittman-Waller from Dallas, Texas, and I was calling about the word kibitz or kibitz. Mm-hmm. And kibitz or kibitz. My husband and I use it differently. Um, I've always thought it meant to joke with somebody. 
Um, and he always uses it as in chat with somebody, which is, you know, subtle, but yet different, you know, because I mean, it's very specifically joking as the mm-hmm. way I was always taught it was. Yeah, it's complicated. If you look at a mainstream American dictionary, they'll basically give you two definitions. One will be to just kind of chit chat with somebody. And the other one will be to um, kind of overlook something that's happening and offer your opinions or advice from the outside. But if you look in more specific works that deal specifically with Yiddish and Yiddish English, which is where Yiddish flavored English, which is where we get this term, um, you will find much broader definitions, including one that has something about to joke or crack wise. And so it turns out that you're both right, depending on the context. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he's right. It's the more his his is the more traditional definition. Mine's well, the more kind of. Yours was the one that said you thought it was about joking, cracking wise. Yeah, I thought it was about joking and 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 specifically joking. And he uses it as chatting with or talking to. And so, and is it kibitz or kibitz? It's both. Uh, mm-hmm. Kibitz is the more traditional pronunciation, but um, kibitz is. Um, um, also used. Kibitz. Okay, well that that solves it for me. Thank yeah, you so much. I, I just want to kind of punch uh, plug into something you just said though. Like, uh, it's just to be clear, his isn't necessarily more correct than yours. They're both correct. It's, it's completely dependent upon context. His is a little more common, but that doesn't make it more right. Ah, okay. okay. Well, of course, you know, it would always be true the woman has all the subtleties, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. So, Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Right. I'm kidding. I'm I'm kibitzing. I'm you're kibitzing. Just joking. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's interesting that it the the origin of it it goes back to a German word that means to look on at cards. You know, when when people are playing cards and to offer advice and that kind of thing. But it goes before back before that a word. Yeah, word relating to a kind of bird yeah, which makes yeah, a loud kind of annoying bird. noise. Right. Right. Uh-huh. That 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 has a reputation in folklore of being a kind of meddlesome bird. Mm-hmm. So so all those kinds of meanings are sort of swishing around. That's in a nice that thing word. about Yiddish. Oh, it has something yeah. to do with meddling. As uh-huh. well as mm-hmm. giving advice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about almost so most unsolicited advice. Yeah, yeah, most, most yeah unsolicited sense, advice. Most exactly. the senses of the word kibitz have something to do with interfering. Yeah, where you are not really the primary player or participant. Uh, there's a stage show happening, and you're, if you're kibitzing in the audience, that means you're chatting the audience. Or if the stage show is happening and you're shouting things to the actor, actors, you're kibitzing from the audience. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, good. Thanks, good Victoria. Thanks for calling. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. 877-929-9673 is the number to call to kibitz with us. Or you can send an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, uh, this is Don Davidson. I'm from Colorado, uh, Montrose to be specific. I teach at Colorado Mesa University, and uh, I'm glad to be uh, on Way With Words. I enjoy it, and I uh, use it all the time. Well, welcome, Don. Glad to have you here. You bet. The question that I have for you guys is uh, having to do with an idiom that I've heard since I was uh, pretty young, and that idiom is uh, in regards to when somebody asks you how things are going to work out or what the results are going to be, and that idiom is called uh, the proof is in the pudding, and I've often wondered where that came from. Um, the original phrase was the proof of the pudding is in the eating, which makes a whole lot more sense, doesn't it? Sure it does. And that saying or versions of it has been around for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, but more recently, in the last hundred years or so, we've just sort of shortened it to the proof is in the pudding. And there are a couple of things to say about that pudding, one of which is that it's not what we think of as as a dessert it's more of a savory meat mixture that's uh, that's stuffed into casing like sausage pudding has long in english been um, a word that refers to that and so you know if you're testing pudding that kind of pudding um, then that's that's a really important thing to do in pre-refrigeration days you know you're you're really testing it ah. to see if it's if it's okay um, because you know sausage uh, over history has been kind of an iffy matter if you think about the word botulism for example that word comes from the Latin word for sausage you know you're, you're checking for foodborne illness so so you want to test out that pudding it's, it's like um, testing. 
food. Yeah, so the proof is means to test. Right. It's not about proof as evidence. It's exactly. about the act of testing. Yeah, it's the same proof that you see in like page proofs for a magazine or a book or a, or a proving ground. It's a, it's a testing ground. So so the proof of the pudding, the testing of the pudding is in the eating was the original uh, use of the phrase. And now we've just well, kind of lost that. Well, that's very good. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that begs the question in that particular instance, if you were going to eat it, the proof would be in the pudding, and I guess the proof might be not getting ill. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's exactly, exactly it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. That was very enlightening. I speak in idioms all the time because of my advanced age, and also my enjoyment of English, uh, particularly the spoken language. And I look forward to using this in my course at Colorado Mesa University and seeing if we can incorporate that into my lessons. Bring out a sausage tray for everyone to test. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who goes first? (laughs) I'll do that. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for calling. You bet. Bye-bye. Take care, Don. Well, Don had a great question. We know you have questions, too. 877-929-9673. Email words at waywardradio.org. Join us on Facebook. We've got a really great active Facebook community. And you can also send us a message on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D. Remember our conversation about Finding a different way, a new and different way to say I miss you to somebody. Oh, Maybe you're in a long-distance relationship. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. Right. What can you say besides I miss you? I like what Chuck Flores said. He wrote us from Dallas to say that the phrase he likes is, I miss who I get to be when you're with me. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that feeling as well. Yeah, yeah. Right? You're a better person when you're when you're with certain people. Exactly, the person who just brings out the very best mm-hmm. in you. I miss who. And then on the other end, be. the people bring out the worst in you. <laughs> Fortunately, they're all strangers. Eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. Do you want more away with words? Listen to years of past episodes at waywardradio.org or find the shows in any podcast app or on iTunes. The toll-free line is always open, so leave a message for us at 877-929-9673. We love to get your emails at words at waywardradio.org or you can hit us up on Twitter at W-A-Y-W-O-R-D and look for us on Facebook. This program would not be possible without you. Grant and I are out to change the way we listen to each other and the way we think about language. And you're making it happen. Thanks also to senior producer Stephanie Levine, director Colin Tedeschi, and editor Tim Felton in San Diego. In New York, we thank production wizard James Ramsey, quiz guide John Chinesky, and that master of keeping it real, Paul Ruist at Argo Studios. Away With Words is an independent production of Wayward, Inc. From the Recording Arts Center at Studio West in San Diego, I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. Bye-bye. So long. So long.